You're listening to Vincenzo Landino on the Brand Boost Podcast, powered by Zoom. I want to welcome to the show Jason Troy, a business executive coach uh, and also author of the book Social Wealth out of Dallas, Texas, which usually I don't like Dallas, Texas, period, but it's okay. I like Jason. Jason's Jason's a good guy, so I'll, I'll forgive him of any allegiances to the Cowboys. How are you, Jason? Uh, I'm doing fine. How about them Cowboys? Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, I, I guess that's all right. I, I guess it's okay. I guess it's allowed because you're a guest on the show. Yes. Uh, how is, uh, how's Dallas, Texas this time of year? It is, we have had more rain than they basically said, we've had two straight years of, they call 500 year rain, meaning you only get this rain once every five years. So the chance of getting it twice is obviously extremely slim and we've had it. And so it is now, I mean, 95, 96 today. And the problem with that is it's not usually that humid here. And so it is like a sauna outside. So uh, I'm trying to avoid it as much as possible this time of day. I seem to bring that kind of weather wherever I go. Like I go to San, the, the few times I've been to San Diego there, I always get the unseasonably humid weather and people are like, yeah, we never get this kind of weather. And I've been there three times in three separate occasions Wow! and it's always been the same situation. So I never have gotten to experience that, you know, 70 degree San Diego weather. And I think when I was in Dallas the last time it, we had just came or you guys had just come off of flooding. It was last year. So oh, it was yeah. the same thing. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I can Isn't, never Were you understand. here for Podcaster's Paradise? Is that why? I wasn't. No, no. I was there for a, it's called Summer Brand Camp. They took the year off yeah, this yeah, year yeah. for some innovation. Yep. Uh, absolutely amazing event. We did some, uh, actually part of the conference was going into one of, uh, we went into one of the towns. We worked with uh, some, a youth organization or a community organization and we uh, rebuilt, um, I guess we did some basic general landscaping work. We also packed an entire a uh, tractor trailer worth of food, but we did that in the scorching heat. We did it like seven o'clock in the morning and it was really hot. And again, the whole story was like, Oh, well, this is not typical for Dallas. And I said, yep, that's just my luck as usual. <laughs> yeah. It's good to uh, have a common denominator. Yeah. Right. Apparently. So, Hey, listen, I love, so you have a book, social wealth, um, really struck me as I was, uh, you know, reading up and because you focus on building extraordinary relationships through transformations of, uh, how we live, how we love, how we lead, how we network. And human, this human to human relationship building is, I don't want to say it's a buzz or a trend because I don't think that should ever be like the flavor of the week. We should always want to learn how to build relationships. But lately it seems that everyone is trying to understand how to build better relationships. I first and foremost want you to kind of talk a little bit about why you felt the need to write social wealth. And, um, so let's start there. Let's talk about that. What, what was the reasoning for the book? Well, you know, connection is the reason why we're here and belonging is in our DNA and the greatest pain we're ever going to have in our life is disconnection because from disconnection becomes isolation and loneliness, um, and also results in shame. And, you know, both of those things are actually health wise going to reduce your life expectancy significantly. So, and obviously the quality of your life and success and so one of the things that I noticed as I was building great relationships with people, um, and I had a lot of people that were not having those, but also were living in scarcity, meaning they were in relationships with people that they really did out of default, right? And that could be in a business sense or in a personal sense, meaning they didn't really have any other options and they didn't really know where to go and look and how to go about doing it. So I started to 
you know, research and I talked to probably about a thousand people and I talked to a couple hundred super successful entrepreneurs and well-known, probably 50 well-known people about the secrets to their success and things that were going on and the relationships thing kept buzzing, right? About that was really bringing them the greatest joy. So I started to really dive deeper in that. And then I started to look on Amazon about books that were out there. And what I found was there were books on personal relationships and then professional ones. And the personal ones were almost, they were all dating ones, right? And relationship books. And then the business ones were some networking, but really it almost sounded like the people couldn't even network inside of the books. And I thought to myself, well, that's actually the wrong approach because every time we go and meet someone, they could be a business partner. They could be a supplier. They could be someone we sell to to. They could be someone we hire or they could be our best friend. We could run a marathon with, we go on a trip with. So no matter what setting you're in, you know, you need to be able to think both personally and professionally. And the other thing I thought was I was looking through all the books and they were 250, 300 pages long and there was a lot of fluff in them. And I thought to myself, you know, if I want to learn how to do something, I don't want fluff. I want to get right to the meat. I mean, you could tell me all the stories you want about how people were successful, but unless I get the evidence myself, I'm never going to believe it. So one of the requirements I I had was, you know, a book under 150 pages. I wanted to have like a blueprint that someone could learn and use and never speak to me and be successful. So there would be, you know, really no marketing in the book at all. And it would be all just giving someone, you know, what most people end up trying to sell you. And so I think that's why the book, you know, has really done well and it's resonated. And plus, I mean, it's just what I do, right? I mean, I shared all the things that I do and literally gave them the blueprint of how I go about doing it. And so if someone were to coach with me, I would just go more in depth, but they could, I would refer to the book and saying, Hey, these are things right now. I've updated it in the sense that I'm always trying new things, innovating, talking to people. So, you know, that part of it's evolved, but the underpinnings of the book is still there. And, uh, you know, I put it against, uh, cause I've read, almost every business networking book in some form or another and many of the best personal and even some dating ones to kind of see how people were going about talking about relationships. Okay. So relationships is, is obviously the common thread. What is it, you know, or why is it that relationships in general, not love, but life business, why is it that suddenly, and this is this, maybe this is just me. Maybe this is just the people who listen to me ramble on the podcast, uh, every week. Why is it that relationships has suddenly become important again? I mean, I think that it was important. It's always been important, but it seems like there are so many that are just discovering, Oh, I need to have good relationships, right? I mean, this is something I hear often with my clients, uh, friends, you know, suddenly there's this desire to build better relationships. What is it? Have you, you know, have you, you know, obviously you've done the research. Is there something, a, a trend out in society that you've noticed, or maybe it's generational, I, you know, comment on however you see it, but, um, what is it that people I probably think there's probably several things. One, I think that people have been leaning on social media way too hard to try to replace traditional relationships and things like LinkedIn for business. And they're realizing that all these things are getting flooded with people and, and people are getting so oversaturated that it's not working anymore. Um, and they're unable to connect with people, meaning they can't even use these outlets and create meaningful relationships because they don't even know the first thing about actually doing it. Um, you know, I'd say that I'd also say that if you've seen the advent of masterminds and, um, more expensive conferences popping up in things like Ted, 
they've been getting way more popular because people know they need these relationships. And so they're spending money at a significant level to try to find and get them because they're so busy that they can't do them unless it's in a concentrated short-term effort. And they know they need these relationships. You know, I'd say there's also the millennials that are trying to find their purpose in life. And I think that they're finding and trying to find purpose in their business and in their own life that social media is really devoid of what they need and they need to get people from online to offline. And, and I think people are just struggling with this concept, right? Of like, how do I go about doing it? Because generationally, you know, you used to have people that were connectors. Malcolm Gladwell wrote about this, right? And so you'd know someone who'd know a thousand people, they'd invite you over their house and you'd meet all these people right before you'd have all this technology gets in the way. Well, it's a lost art because people don't know how to build those relationships anymore because it's really been lost over the last generation of people. And so I think like anything else, people are realizing that that's the core of who they are as a human being. That is in our, that is in our primal essence. That is in our survival mode. Like that's what we need at the tribe level. And I mean, you're also seeing this too in military, right? I mean, the military having a hard time coming back to the U.S. because they had this close-knit tribe and now they come back and they can't find this anywhere, right? And that's why you're seeing PTSDs at levels where like 50, I read 50% of the people in the military, even people not in combat are at, are, are claiming they had PTSD because of the difficulty of coming back and finding it. And I think everyone wants to find their tribe, right? And that could be, you know, different and different tribes, meaning business, personal, family and other things and kind of combining all this stuff. And I just think when people don't have that, um, they see this lack and they feel very disconnected and very isolated. And then the question comes, why am I really here? Is this really all worth it? It can't be about money. It can't be about just fame. It's the people that bring me the happiness. Yeah. You know, the military thing that was interesting. I've had a lot of friends where, you know, they've come, they come back, they, you know, they have this brotherhood and, and I mean, we hear a lot of it and obviously you, you know, cause you, you brought it up, but they don't even know how to live life because they, they now all of a sudden they come back and they're alone. Right. And yeah. they're just like, how, how do I live? No one understands what I'm doing. No one understands what I'm, I'm talking about. Um, let's, can we, let's talk a little bit about the social wealth mindset and, uh, you know, you refer to it as powerful and life-changing. What, what is the social wealth mindset and how does one achieve that? Well, the most important or the most valuable capital in the world is social capital, meaning the capital between people, because they can lead you to pretty much everything, right? If you have financial capital, you're always restrained at some level because you'll never have enough. People capital is the same way. I mean, if you're smart, if you're beautiful, whatever it is, at some point that's either limited or tapped out, but relationships are never that way. So the key thing is there is when you think about social capital, it's the value and really of your networks and then the indirect networks, meaning the people that you know, like who do they know? And ultimately that's going to define like your wealth, happiness, success, and fulfillment in your life. So you have to invest inside of it in order to get something back out of it. Right. And I think you have to really invest in these skill sets and, you know, social communication and emotional skill sets, which are the underpinning of creating extraordinary relationships are all learned behaviors. Meaning you aren't born with these things. Sure. If you're growing up in a more social household, you're going to have some level of an advantage, but that quickly deteriorates because your family um, is not that important. And then your peer group takes over and no one really helps you with that transition. So if you don't invest in it, like going to the gym, you can't get in shape if you only go out to the gym once a month. Well, it's the same thing here. And it's the same thing in a lot of skill sets when it comes to actually excelling in you know business or in your personal life. 
Uh, you also mentioned, you know, creating a real world social media plan, uh, putting it together for, for your life personally and professionally. I'm just curious, do you see a difference between social media and real world or in real life? People use that little like IRL, they'll say, are you, do you see that there's a difference or should you practice the same things that you practice elsewhere? Or maybe that's what's been creating these problems altogether. I think ultimately the way you manage social media is, you know, there's, you know, you, if you're wanting to build a brand for yourself and your business, I think that's one thing that's separate, but the relationship building part of it is you have to take people online and get them offline. And that's ultimately the key because everyone is listening to this. I mean, you can't build a relationship with someone that's fantastic, awesome, and the best in your life on a telephone, right? And if you can't build it on a telephone, like that means you have to do it in person. So you've got to find ways to get people to where you're going and what you're doing ultimately. Um, so you can have enough people getting in and out of your life and then be able to pick the best people for you and have it be vice versa as well. And I think that's something that people really don't think about. They're not actively doing, and they're just hoping that it all comes together. And you know, in life, when you hope, and that is your strategy, you will fail miserably. I mean, yeah, there's no hoping. way, there's no way you'll succeed. I mean, that's <laughs> why, I mean, it's why you see people just struggling in every area of their life when it comes to really finding relationships and, you know, why people divorce rates as high as it is and why it gets worse every single time you get married. I mean, all the stats out there really just talk about it, that really the key to you finding what you want is other people. And you've got to, you've got to invest in that and really understand a strategy and execute on it in your life. Otherwise you're just wandering around aimlessly. Well, so I want, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this question. Um, people say like, Oh, I'm an, I'm an introvert. I, I don't, uh, you know, and I actually lose energy. energy. Energy gets pulled out of me for interacting with other people. And it's very difficult for me to understand that concept because I'm f- the furthest from that. I draw energy from others. Like I, like yep. you said, I, like that's me. So what is it with introvert? I, Cause I'm assuming that you work with a lot of people that are proclaimed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? It, it's it, like anything else in life. You have to think about things creatively and you have to think to yourself, if I could do this, how would it look? What would it need to be? So, you know, one of the things I tell people is the best places to go to meet people are charity and nonprofit, meaning museum, symphony, opera, cultural events, because that's where social influencers go. Young professionals are people with money, um, people with power and people with influence. Well, in those areas, they have happy hours or smaller events that are usually an hour or two during the week, and they have bigger gala events. Well, if you're an introvert, all you have to do is go for an hour and start meeting people, right? And for people who say to me, well, I can't walk in a room and get around, I'm like, okay, well, I'll give you the perfect, easiest way to do it that I've helped hundreds and not probably thousands of people have used this advice and it's worked great. You go call the charity or nonprofit. You, they always need help. So always. for any event, they're going to need help because they never have enough people. Mm-hmm. Ask, specifically ask to work the check-in table, right? Ideally, you can work the first, uh, the first check-in session because then you can get to the place, look around, feel a little bit more comfortable. For people who have a lot of anxiety, that really helps. And then when you sit down there, you're checking in people. Well, people have to say hi to you and you get to meet to them. 
and they assume you're part of the organization because they don't know any better. Well, that's a great way to start talking to them. Then at the end of your shift, you know a lot of the people that are actually at the event. And really, you're part of the organization, at least for that event. So you have a lot to go and talk to people. You can say, thank you for coming. You know, how did you hear about the organization? And then, you know, there's a lot of things you can talk to them about. And one of the things I love to talk and I ask everyone um, is, you know, I ask them a simple question. You know, what's, what's exciting in your life right now? Or I ask them, so what are you passionate about? What products are you working on that you're passionate about, right? And if you ask them one of those questions, you're going to emotionally connect with someone and they're talking about what they love the most. And they're talking about themselves, which they love probably even more. And you're listening, which most people don't listen to anything that someone else says, especially things that are important to them. So in that like little easy step, you can crush and meet at least five to 20 people in an hour in an environment like that. That's it. Without expending too much of your no. thought process either. No. And <laughs> right. I, right. And, and the people who tell me that they want to stay longer, I'm like, okay, every 60 minutes, walk outside, put a hair, put your pair of headphones in, look like you're on the phone and listen to music for five minutes and come back in. Right. And also you don't need to go out on the weekends all the time if you do this, because what you're going to find is you can meet more people and better people during that time than you will in other times. So you don't need to go out for three or four hours on a Friday or Saturday night all the time. I mean, it can pick one time, right. And stay in, right. Um, because you're going to have much more options out there. So there's, there's always a way to get all this done. It's just that most people want to have the end result. They just don't want to do any of the work. And they want to have these relationship shows like a fairy tale or like a reality TV show when that's just not how relationships unwind. Um, so let's just change gears just a little bit because you're also an executive coach. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm curious to hear this because you need to be a good leader, right? Most executives are are their desire is to become a good leader or to be a good leader, to be a good manager of people. Um, what are the most challenge? What, what is the most common challenge you get from executives? Um, you know, no matter the business size, what's kind of your common question or common, uh, challenge that you, they want you to fix? Well, I think that if you can look at a hub and then spokes, it's probably an easy model. So people come to me because they're stuck in some area of their life, right? They're tapped out. They're not growing. Things aren't going well. Um, they cannot gain any clarity because they can't see their own blind spots and they know something is holding them back or not going right. And ultimately in their head, they remember the time when they were like Michael Jordan in the zone. And they want to lock into that zone and they want to be operating that like that as a normal state. Right. And that's what I do for people. And so, but it can be a variety of problems, right? They might be that they're just bored. The passion's gone out. Right. I mean, that happens a lot of times because you're like, okay, well, I'm CEO of the company. What's next? And they don't know how to get to that next level. Perhaps they're having problems because the company's not growing, right? Their management team and they're having problems there, which happens all the time, right? Um, they may be having problems dealing with people. So their communication, conflict resolution um, skills, collaboration isn't there. So it's really variety. And then sometimes they have personal issues, right? I have clients who have, you know, are in the midst of having really unhappy and unhealthy marriages or problems going on in their social life that are really holding them back. So they can't focus on their business stuff. So I, I'd say for people, it's kind of like the spokes. It really depends on the person. Um, but everyone has things going wrong, going on. And I'd say the other thing in the back of their head, I think for executives 
is that, and more so even CEOs is that, you know, any moment it all could come apart and people are going to see that I'm a fraud and that I never really could do this job. And so there's a constant level of fear going in the backdrop of this that happens for almost every single person. And the people that tell you they don't feel like that, then they're lying to you. And they're not telling you the real truth because they want to project an image that's not really truthful. I always find it interesting how some of these leaders, you know, whether they are, you know, big, you know, whether you're a Steve Jobs or whether you're someone who runs a small mom and pop local business, I always want, it always impresses me how they can, uh, stand, you know, above or, or in front of the teams they've built, the groups of people that they've gotten to follow them, so to speak, which I know sounds so bad when you think about it, like, Oh, they're followers and, and whatnot. But I mean, for, it is what it is, right? I mean, somebody obviously has to take the lead. It just boggles my mind how some of these people can go home at night and they still want to interact with people. Right. Um, like it, there's something about it. Like I know I was looking through your website and you made, made a point about living life like Tom Hanks and Castaway, right. And your best friend's a soccer ball or a volleyball. And it always intrigues me how those types of individuals that are really good leaders, how they don't just want to go and live life like that after, I mean, they're bombarded constantly day in and day out. Is there anything or any tips or ideas or tricks to kind of get yourself out of your own way once in a while? And, and, do you recommend people taking time to kind of reset or regenerate? Yeah. I'm going to think about passions, right? I think yeah. you've got to find passion in your life. I think the first thing is if you don't love what you do in the work that you do, you really need to rethink that work, right? And I tell people this all the time is that that's what you need to do. Now, there are some people that are in situations like I have some friends that are attorneys that literally because of the money they're making, they really don't have an alternative, and they don't have anything else that they have really have time to work on. So the requirement there for them in order to get not burned out, now whether they do it or not, is to figure out a passion in their life. You know, it could be a musical instrument, it could be writing, it could be whatever. I don't care, but you got to have something that you're super duper excited about. Because if you can't find that, you'll end up uh, really having a lot of problems in your life because you're going to end up not finding that. And I think for people who can do both, that's optimal right? Meaning that you love the work that you're doing and you find your passion also outside of it in things that you're doing, right? And it's a multi-layer, right? And I think people like that also love the, uh, they're passionate about the journey. They're passionate about the experience. They're probably passionate. They're passionate about the competition. Um, but they're not always passionate about having to be right. Right. And failure to them is something they accept as part of success. I mean, Steve Jobs, I mean, I worked with him for a year. I mean, he remember that's the guy who said the Segway scooter was going to redefine how we operate in cities and how we get around. And he couldn't have been any more wrong than (laughs) that was that. I mean, he's made a lot of wrong decisions and bad bets. We just focus on what he did right. But that's the point. Right. For most entrepreneurs, they're doing most of these things wrong. They're having very few things that go right all the time. And especially the first time when I've talked to really successful people and I asked the question out of every 10 things that you do for the first time, how many things are successful? And they've told me between five to seven things don't go right. And, and, you know, so that can tell you that no matter how smart you are, 
you won't be, you'll have to pivot. You'll have to learn a lesson and you'll have to do something else in order to really move forward in what it is you want to do. Yeah. I, I can imagine resiliency has a lot to do with, you know, with a lot of these things as well. And, and, um, and I know personally, you know, speaking from my own personal experience, resiliency, even in relationships is a big, is, is huge. Oh, yeah. uh, there's so many people that I think put undue expectation on relationships or, or people in general, they, they put undue expectation, uh, on friends, on family. And, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if this is one of your, you know, something that you teach at all, but I like to not give people expectations personally. Like I don't always go into something saying, this is what I expect from someone. This is what I expect of their performance. You know, whether it's uh, a subcontractor I'm working with or whether it's, you know, an employee or whether it's a girlfriend, whether it's a you know, family member, I don't like to always put expectations on people. And I find that that's a huge, that was something I had a problem with, you know, growing up and, and even through, you know, college and a little bit afterwards. So we're talking at least 10 years ago now, uh, where I had to shift from expecting something from people constantly or expecting them to act a certain way. And then I was always let down. Right. And now of course it always strains the relationships because you're angry. They don't really know you're angry. They didn't. And, it, and so anyway, that's my, that's my little tip. I, I don't know. I could be completely off. Maybe that's not a good thing to think about or to, to do, but I find that works really well is uh, not having undue expectations. What do you think? Yeah, about well, that? I think that, you know, the, the, the thing about that is that when you get attached to an outcome is when you have problems. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's the biggest issue, right? Yeah, so well, it, yeah. that's, that's the problem because what you do is you're having a picture in your head. And when that picture, when you don't live up to the picture in your head, then you get really unhappy, right? You get dissatisfied. You feel like a failure. And that's the problem that what successful entrepreneurs do in their life is they say, let's say they want to go build a business, right? They're, they'll have a picture because you have to have some vision, but right. they'll take a leap of faith and they won't be attached to that outcome. They'll hit that point and they'll say, okay, if I didn't hit the vision, if I didn't hit what my vision was, what is, what's going on here, right? What's happening? Um, what do I need to do to get where I need to go? So, um, that, I think that's a really, really big, important point. And when you go out and meet people, if you're attached to all these outcomes and getting people's phone numbers and, you know, having to meet certain people and doing all these things, it, you're going to create a lot of stress and you won't be successful because you're living a scarcity mindset that if you don't do this, then everything's going to fall apart. And it, and it just won't, it just won't. Jason, um, I've had, you know, this is, this is very interesting stuff. Um, and I'm sure the audience or, or those listening to the podcast are intrigued. Give us, uh, ways to find you. I know you have an, uh, an awesome email uh, newsletter that goes out, uh, on you know, how to improve business relationships and, and build relationships that matter. Uh, and you actually include exercises and whatnot in your, your letter, but tell them how else they can find you. And I'll, and I'll make sure that all of this goes at, uh, goes into the show notes. So if you're listening to this, um, you're driving, make sure you stop, pull over when you get to work, whatever it is, get home, sign up for Jason's uh, email list. But where else can they find you, Jason? Yes. Yeah, so they can go to my website. It's B extraordinary.tv. That's B extraordinary.tv. And you can pretty much find everything there. And there's a lot of videos as well and blogs and a link to my book and all my social media channels. So listen, I really appreciate you spending time with us today and uh, looking forward to uh, checking out some more of your work and we will uh, make sure that 
Everyone listening, I want you to make sure you go and visit Jason's website. Check it out because I know a lot of you have been asking me whether you've been sending me Snapchats or personal Twitter messages or emailing, you know, how to build better relationships. That's why Jason's on the show today. Um, And if you need to work with anybody, this is the man to work with. If you want to be extra ordinary in your life, in your business, uh, and, and any of your relationships. So again, Jason, thank you so much for joining me. It was a blast. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Talk soon. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to BrandBoostCast.com forward slash subscribe.